Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Mark, the fourth chapter from the 35th verse. Bible says, On the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitudes, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships, which if you read the Greek there, little ships means boats. You see, some people don't know the difference between a ship and a boat. But like it is commonly said, if you want to know the difference between a ship and a boat, you can put a boat on a ship, but you can't put a ship on a boat. That's the simplest difference. So, little ships, these were boats, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. If you read that uh, for me from the Amplified Version for more emphasis, it says, and a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose, and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was already becoming Field. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now let's continue with our KJV verses 38. And Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perished? Carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we are dying? And the Bible says in verses 39, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Somebody shout hallelujah. Why is this story very important? Because we have an experience of a man deeply asleep, in a storm, in a hurricane of great proportion, he is asleep. He is asleep as the waves are beating into the boat. And the Bible is clear that when the waves started to hit through, the water started getting onto the ship. And when they started to get onto the ship, they started to feel the ship, meaning that this vessel was about to, uh, to drown. And then we find that kind of of experience, and a man is in there, in the stern, he is deeply asleep. He is asleep in the hinder parts of the boat. And water is coming through. Of course, there are people who are a bit carnal in interpretation of scripture. One time I was reading a certain commentary, and one guy said that, you know, it means that even Jesus was a human being, he could get so tired that he slept so hard because of being tired. Yes, of course, Jesus was 100% human being as he was 100% God. But I find it so disturbing that many people have built doctrines more around his humanness than they have 
built around his godliness, you see? And some of you produce results, you know, of fleshly or carnal nature because you don't know where to look. It's important to know where to look. And I cannot agree that it doesn't matter how tired the Son of God was, that it was that tiredness that caused him to sleep more than he could. No, there was something. There was something going to happen. There was something going to happen. And I'm going to show you through Scripture that it was planned because it was a sudden experience. God knew what was coming through. Remember the people that were on that ship were all his disciples and the little ships or boats that are following him are also believers. You know, like a man of God goes to preach somewhere and other people also drive to follow him. You know, somebody, he's going somewhere for ministry and other people say, you know, I think I want to go with the man of God. I believe that was the experience. They followed him because there was something on his life. So the people around him were believers. And the reason why I felt that I would give some time to teach on this topic was not why Jesus slept. It's evident. It was deliberate. He saw that coming as the Son of God. He knows all things. He knows all things from the beginning. Nothing is new and has shocked him even in his flesh. There was a witness in his spirit because he had already entered the dimension of the spirit where he was able to apprehend many of these things. He was in the miraculous. He was fully awakened. You see, there were times before, the Bible says the child grew in wisdom and in stature and favor before God and man. He had some time of preparation, a couple of years. But when he goes into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit, comes back from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he has entered the second dimension of his life and the distinct grace of the anointing and the full awakening of that body aligned to the will and purposes of God is evident that nothing should or will bypass him. He is cognizant of everything that is happening. So why did he do that? Of course, he wanted to uh, grow their faith. He wanted to mature them. But how he could do it is a question. How you put your body to sleep in a stone? Somebody shout amen. How you put your body to sleep in a storm. How much faith and confidence a man must have to sleep in the storm is a very important aspect for us to explore. Let me first emphasize this. Why is it important for us to explore? Because it was not the first time it ever happened in the history of biblical narration. It was not the first time a man ever slept in the storm. Hallelujah, somebody. Let's open to Jonah, the book of Jonah, the first chapter. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and he tells him, you know, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and tell them that their wickedness has come upon before me, and let them repent. Instead of Jonah responding uh, obediently to the word of God, instead of going to Nineveh to send the prophetic word that God had given him, he got onto a ship and sailed to Tashish. The Bible says, from the presence of the Lord, going down to Joppa. He paid his fare, and while he's on the ship, the fourth verse tells us, the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. The winds again we see, system and experience. And verses 5, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God, small, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah, the Bible says, was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and he was fast asleep. 
Jonah slept too. And the shipmaster came to him as they came to Jesus and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, capital, if so be that that God will think upon us that we perish not. And the Bible says, And they say to one another, Come on, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. There's something interesting there. Let me first help us here. For those of you who are students of the word and especially ministers, there are hidden traditions in the history of humanity which had very deeply rooted interpretations concerning the things and the ways of God in the people of old, even with those who did not relate or connect with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, they might have not related with him, but there were common traditions, beliefs within the culture and within the people that were spiritual, and some or many of which were also related in the ways of God. And so they knew how to respond to God, even though they did not relate with the God of the Bible. If you look at Laban, the God of Jacob appears to him and tells him, do not do that boy harm. He can hear the God of Jacob, but he doesn't believe in the God of Jacob. You see, but the God of Jacob can speak to him. He's chasing after them and he's saying, you have my gods. You see, that means he has a certain God that he ascribes to. So he's chasing after Jacob and his family. One of you has hidden my gods. I have my small gods that I worship. But yet the God of Jacob appears to him and he tells him, do not do harm to that boy. He can hear the God of Jacob. When Jacob is asking to leave, says, give me my pay and my wages. I want to go and with my family and start my own future. He says, leave me not for I have learned by experience that your God has prospered me because of you. See, he doesn't ascribe to the God of Jacob, but he can connect in wisdom that the prosperity in his life is on the God of that boy. As of to whether he relates with him or not, that's another thing. But the Lord God has blessed him because of Jacob's sake. It cannot be his gods. So perhaps he knew that there is a God of the Jews, he exists somewhere, but also he had experiences where he used to also connect to other gods. So you see, they knew that you can tell when the blessing is on one person or another. They can sense it, even those that were not deeply in relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at this kind of experience too, that when the sheep is hit, by the waves and they're about to die, something tells them there must be a person amidst us who has gone the wrong way because sheep just don't sing. Boats just don't kill people. They always knew. It was always embedded within the cultures, even with those who ascribed to other gods. The ways of God were revealed to them that waves just don't come through. Ships just don't sink. Men just don't die in boats. And they always knew that one person's disobedience could actually lead to the death of many if that person cannot be separated from the many. They knew it too. What if Jonah had not repented and spoken through? Perhaps those men would have died. 
Satan can come and he just wants to kill one person in a bus. And if they don't find a righteous man in that bus, or some are righteous, but they don't understand how to keep themselves. Because, you know, learning how to keep yourself is a principle. It's a wisdom. The Bible says, I've seen a righteous man that perishes in his own righteousness. And the Bible says, but also have I seen a wicked man that knoweth how to prolong his days. He knoweth, he knoweth how to prolong his days. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the man is wicked, but he knows how to prolong his days. And there's a man who is righteous, righteous, but he perishes in his righteousness. There are people who are not, you know, born again. They're not Christians, but they know the principle in prolonging their life. And there are people who are born again, but they don't know how to keep themselves. So you sit in a taxi with a guy that is under some sort of witchcraft or judgment, and that whole thing rolls. It was seeking for one man's life, but coincidentally, that man was in that vessel, was in that plane, was in that car. And then when it rolls, all of them were are killed innocently. Refused to die with a heathen. I said refused to die with a heathen. In the mighty name of Jesus. It's not the will of a man of God to die with a heathen. Even Samuel, I mean Samson, asked for it. Even Samson asked for it. And there's a teaching there also. Why didn't he ask differently? But he asked and said that I may die with a Philistine. Help me that I may die with them. And he pushed those pillars and the whole building falls on them. And the Bible says on that day he killed more Philistines than all the years of his life before he was blinded. But he asked for it. See, unless you want it, but you should not die with the heathen. You should not die at the gallows of the heathen. You should not die in the ploy within the heathen. You shouldn't. That's not your portion. That's not what God has called you to do. Or at least if you should find yourself by mistake in a car where a man who is judged is, you should have enough wisdom to know how to avert that danger for a prudent man for a seeth evil and hideth himself but the simple pass it and they're punished so you know by wisdom god can show it to you god can show it to you god can show it to you i've had experiences in my life where god has forewarned me that there's somebody amidst us that is going through this and if i don't position myself to do this or do that i might be in trouble while something is hitting somebody you understand? And that's the use of wisdom, specifically soonnesses, the critical faculty. That person of the Holy Spirit in you that warns you of the things to come. For the Bible says, He shall show you things to come. And what do you do? You either dodge them and go the other side. If you were so carnal to sit in that vessel and the plane went off, at least you should have enough grace on your life to know how to avert that danger. That the wicked is saved because you are in that vessel. Somebody shout hallelujah. So from old, they always had beliefs. Well, they might have not ascribed to the ways of God, but it was always natural to them that people just don't die in floods. They just don't die and sink because the waves are hitting through on sheep. People just don't die on sheep. You should never forget that. Natural disasters don't just kill people. They don't just kill people. They don't just kill people. And they don't just find anybody and kill them just like that. So, you know, but coincidentally, he was found in the hurricane and he died. No, that's not how it happens. You just need to know and understand how it works. When you do, you will calm them. Shout hallelujah. You will calm storms. You will calm hurricanes. You will calm 
tornadoes, you'll stop them because you're in that place. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, the shipmaster says, let's cast lots that we may know those to whom this cause of evil is upon us. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And God honored the lot. So that's the system also that was at work from the days of old. God honored the lot. God can actually work through an election. That's what I mean. Somebody shout hallelujah. So they cast lots and God honored the lot. And the Bible says somewhere that I, the Lord, direct the lots. God knows how to direct the lots, that even when they threw them, some people think that the casting of lots only ascribes to small gods. But can you believe that they cast lots and the Lord honored that cause and showed them who was in trouble? And the scriptures tell us that they asked him, verses 8, for whose cause is this evil upon you? Now listen to these questions. Fundamental. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Those things can tell you whether a man is cast or blessed. Those things can tell you whether a man is cast or blessed. Those questions. What a man is doing can show you whether a man is under the blessing of God or under a curse. Where a man comes from can show you the country, the people. So that means a country can put reproach on a man. A tribe can put reproach on a man. Where a man comes from or leaves can put reproach on a man. It's very serious. That is why when the Bible speaks in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. God is reading us of the elements that connect us to our biological lineages that connect us to the nations and homes that we were born into, to the families that we were born into, from the occupations that we do in the world, such that he can define a profession for us with him. Somebody shout hallelujah. And of course, if you are a reader of the Bible and you've understood the law of precedence, you realize why he answers, begin with the last question. Remember, what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he begins by answering of what people he is. You see? The first is the greatest. Huh? The first is the greatest. Uh-huh. So he says, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Jew. And uh, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. And the Bible says, they were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. They knew that somebody has broken something. And so they asked him, why have you done that? And then the Bible says in uh, verses uh, 11, And they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may become unto us for the sea route and was stems to us? And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me into the sea, and the sea shall become. Nevertheless, if you read later, the men tried to fight to see that they could save him. And they even tried to row the boat to the land, but they failed. And consequently, when they realized that they had failed, verses 15, they took and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased. And also those ones were afraid and feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You see, it was a culture within that when they see a certain hand of God, they make sacrifices and make certain vows to God. You know, in our dispensation, people make vows <laughs> before to fleece God, eh? to put him in a place of performance such that they can honor their vow. You see? But they don't understand the vow that comes after salvation. Somebody shout, Hallelujah! And so, they feared the Lord exceedingly. Oh, again, the people in Jesus' story feared exceedingly. Again, like Jesus slept 
in a ship. Jonah too slept in a ship. There are two men in the history of the Bible that slept in the boat. But one was under carnal security and another one was functioning under faith. Let me first talk about carnal security. Jonah is living proof that a man can be so callous, so carnal, that he can find peace and rest in the midst of disobedience. And it's possible for those who don't know the difference to observe that man and assume that that man is under faith. Because if we did not know the story like we know it, you'd think, ha, what great faith is on Jonah while the rest are what? Are trying to save their lives. Somebody shout hallelujah. It means that the carnality of a man can row him to a sleep that can disconnect him even from the thing that he so needed to be awake to, to be saved. It's possible. That's why the Bible says that to be carnal-minded is death. It's possible for a man to be so dead and indifferent to the instructions and will of God and be so given to the flesh that the flesh can find a certain confidence and assurance that it can give him enough rest, enough sleep, enough comfort. And we should never confuse that for faith because like I said, there are many people who cannot tell the difference. They think that everybody who is asleep in the storm believes. That's the uniqueness about Jesus and I'm going to come to that later. But not everybody who sleeps in the storm believes. So we have seen people who have become so carnal, so indifferent, that they can find rest and be comfortable even when they are most opposed to God. It's so sad that it even happens with Christians. Somebody makes a statement and you ask yourself, is this person born again? How can they be so dead to the understanding and way of the Spirit? yet they know the scriptures, they believe in God, how can they be comfortable in their weakness? How can they find rest in their confusion? How can they be okay with their carnality? How can they? But there's some people who are so comfortable in their carnality. They're so comfortable that they can sleep. It's so serious because you will find two people. One is in the comfort of faith and another is in the deepest form of carnality. And both of them are doing two things. And then you start to see different results of the same. Slept through, the ship starts to sink, and it sinks, and they die. And someone, Lucas, perhaps who jumped off the ship, can tell you, but he looked like he was sleeping because he had faith. That sleep for us told us that this brother and sister had faith. How could they die with that kind of rest? Because not all rest is faith. Yes, the Bible says, we which have believed have entered into rest. But now scripture is showing us that not all who rest are rested in faith. Some are just indifferent. They're blind. Jonah had to be so indifferent to the will and purposes of God because the Bible says he had fled from the presence of God and he found comfort outside the presence of God. And you know, there's those things where you do something that is against the will and purpose of God and you feel condemned in your heart. And you're like, 
shouldn't have done this. God help me, forgive me. Please lead me. I need to do right next time. You see, but there's another man who does that and he has the best sleep. That's the one I'm talking about. That's the one I'm talking about. Pray that you don't be like that. Somebody shout hallelujah. So now let's go back to our Lord because that's majorly why I wanted to draw my emphasis today in the sermon. So we see Jesus sleeping within the storm. So I asked the Holy Spirit, where did he get the audacity to sleep? Where did he get the courage to sleep? How could a man sleep through a storm that was not only raging and hitting the ship left, right, and center, but water had started to enter into the ship and he was going to sink. The Lord in him knows everything going on, but he has conditioned his body to a certain rest that it can't be awakened except if a man has to wake him up. Of course, I believe that his body is not in one position because the ships of long ago are not the ships of now. I've had an opportunity to go through the internet and look at the ships in the days of Jesus. They were not as sophisticated as they are now. They were not as balanced as they are now. They were not as big as the ships that we have now. So it's impossible for such waves that are coming through and he's on a simple leather pillow. It's impossible that his body was not under movement. But I'm talking about that thing that causes that body, in spite of all of that movement, to stay asleep. There was a spirit in that man that had control over that man's flesh to a place where that man could sleep. If you understand this, you're going to grow in faith. And the Lord told me, it was the eight words. It was the eight words. He has told them, let us pass over unto the other side. He said, let's get in the ship and cross over to the other side. He did not say, let's get on the ship, although it would have been enough if he's on that ship. But he said, let us pass over and to the other side. In other words, by the will of God, we have a destiny and the end of that destiny is that we are going to cross to the other side. We have a mandate the other side. Somebody shout hallelujah. Very powerful. Now, let us agree that while he has said, let us cross, in there, the storms come, the hurricanes come. And those hurricanes mean problems, troubles, sicknesses, poverty. You lost your business and went to zero. You went to a doctor and they gave you a very bad report that almost means your kidneys are gone. Your liver is gone. Your heart is gone. Your lungs are eaten up and you're on zero now. You have nothing to your name and you're bankrupt. You are no more. You have an incurable disease in your body. Your family is gone. Your children have gone. You've lost this and you've lost that. Those hurricanes of any proportions could mean the troubles and testations that come in our way. The question is, has God spoken over your destiny? And if he has spoken over your destiny, what has he said? And I can tell you, people who have walked for 10, 15 years in salvation, but they still do not have a vote when they are in trouble over their destiny because they have no clue as to what God said concerning their lives and their destiny. 
They live from a victimized mentality. Every time they are victims of things and circumstances and situations that never seem to go away. So they are worried this is going to happen, that is going to happen. They are victims and victims and victims of things. It's always like that. It's always like that. Let us go over to the other side. Let us pass over to the other side. Means that according to the word in him that has spoken, he has so much control over his carnal nature that he can command it. That's an exercised conscience. That's an exercised conscience. You don't get born again and you live there. It's something you exercise by deliberation. And some people are not willing to pay that price because again, like I said, they are so indifferent to the way and purpose of God. They are comfortable with a kind of security. Security that is not informed and with knowledge or revelation. Has no experience. But this is an exercise. It's a life of a man whose spirit has been so exercised enough. Because the Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth little. But the Bible speaks of spiritual exercise, which is both profitable for the life that now is and the life that is to come. Somebody shout hallelujah. So see how steady that man's conscience is. It's exercised, robustly built, that when the word in him speaks and says, let us go to the other side, Every part in him that is carnal understands that they have to cross to the other side. So when he tells his body, sleep, his body can't wake up because it knows that he has to cross. Somebody shout hallelujah. The waves know that he has to cross. The winds know that he has to cross. That deadly disease knows that he has to cross. That frustration at his job, that career that has died, it knows that the man has to pass over to the other side. Because the word said, look at Peter. Peter understood this. Peter understood this in some part. He sees a man walking on water and he says, ah, 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 I know how you work. I know how you work. He says, now, if it be you, now Peter's understood it because this happens later. If it be you, bid me that I come. Bid me that I come. You say, say with your word. Just open your mouth. Oh, just open your mouth and say walk. I believe you enough that even though I respect gravity and I understand its laws, there's something about your word that I believe so much that all I'm waiting is for you to just say, come. Say it. Just say it, Jesus. Say it. Say it. And the Lord tells him, come. Only one word. And the Bible says, and Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water. The Bible says he walked on the water. Why did he walk on the water? Jesus said, come. Ask your neighbor, are you that responsive to the word? Ask your neighbor, is the word enough? Ask them, is what he has said enough? Or you need more proof? Is what he has said enough? Or you need more networks? Is what he has said enough? Or you need a white man somewhere to come with some money and fund you? Is what he has said enough? Or you need cosmetic? Is what he has said enough? Or you need more education? Is what he has said enough? Is it enough to tame everything? To tame your carnal nature? So yes, Peter also steps on the water and the Bible says 
when he starts to walk on the water, again a certain wind came. It was boisterous. When they began to sink, saying to the Lord, Save me, Lord. And Jesus stretches out his hand. I always tell people, because if you can make that first step, even if you unbelieve in the middle, you will never sink. Why? He said, Come. All he needs is that first step. All he needs. That's the problem. That's the problem. All he needs is that first step out of the boat. And he's saying, okay, now I have you. Because some people say, oh, don't sink. No, listen. <laughs> I tell people, we're not supposed to teach about how not to sink. We're supposed to teach men how to make that first step. Because if you have faith to make the first two steps, there is a hand that will come in your doubt and hold you if you were to sink. Why? Because when Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, thou little faith, from whence did thou doubt? Verses 32 said, And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. How did they go to the ship? Yes. You see? He holds his hand. Where is your faith? Then he holds him up. Does the Bible say, and then Jesus carried Peter? No, he did not carry Peter. Brothers, and when they were calm, that means after he pulls him out of the water, the two guys continue. Somebody shout hallelujah. All God needs is that first step. Do you know why some of you lame man has never walked? Because you've never attempted. And when you attempted and it failed, you didn't attempt again. Keep attempting. Keep attempting. Keep attempting. The day that lame man walks, it will change your life. I laid hands on crippled people until a crippled person walked. Some miracles delayed than others. One of the miracles in my life that delayed was the hearing. Ah, that miracle. Bones, what? But hearing that it delayed. Are you hearing me? And you know, the more it delayed, the more I started to look for people. I don't know if some of you were in Chambogo one time when I said, I want to pray for deaf people. And they brought children from deaf school. And we started opening their ears. Hallelujah, glory to God. Open. And somebody says, you clap, Papa. Somebody shout hallelujah. They turn and hear voices. Somebody shout hallelujah. I knew I had conquered. But that was not the first time the deaf had opened. It opened a couple of years before. But I'd failed to see ears open. So that's who I am. I live on the edge of the boat. Always. The moment I read something, I'm ready to walk. I am ready. I am ready. Listen, learn to live in the readiness. That kind of readiness. Oh, are we believing for the dead? Are you hearing me? Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Come, he said. Come, he said. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the two of them walk. Now he has said, let us pass over to the other side. He means the word that has come out of me has a purpose. Now Isaiah says that the word that I send out, it shall not come back to me in vain. He says, it shall accomplish that which I send it. It shall be void. He says, it shall prosper in the thing wherein I sent it. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says, we're going to cross. So the word that has come out of the master 
has enough integrity in spite of any storm. And when he said, let us cross, that Jesus, we know, knew that the storm was coming, but he let it. And when this wind comes, we realize these men were just dealing with unbelief. If he has said, let us cross, and the winds come, what were you to do? Some people say, you are just supposed to watch and trust that you won't sink. No, you will sink. You were supposed to fix it. You don't need permission. Let us pass over to the other side was the permission. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. We're not talking about that passive faith. Where you say, if he has said that I will not die, let me just wait. And then you just wait because you're sure he has said he won't die. Brother, you will die. If you just stay passive. He told Moses, divide the sea. He didn't tell him, swing your stick and I'll divide it. No, he told him, divide the sea. Divide the sea. He did not say, pray that I move the mountain. He says, you shall speak to the mountain and tell it be removed from here and go to yonder place. And the Bible says, and nothing shall be impossible with who? You. Some of you have never even spoken to your situation. He said, I will not die. Then the pain continues. He said, I will not die. Then the pain continues. He said, I will not die. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. You have to do something. It's in his way to respond to your word. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> God always comes through when a man is ready to believe him and act on the word. It's just his way. The Lord showed me a mystery in this portion of scripture that is going to bless you. Have you ever read Psalms 89 verses 9? Psalms 89 verses 9 says, You rule the raging of the sea. And when the waves there are overrise, you steal them. Who told the psalmist that God comes storms? This was a man who knew God enough to understand that whatever storm comes in a man's life, he rolls it and he always steals them. He knows how to calm them. He calms them always. He's a calmer of storms. He speaks peace. Be still to the waves and they listen, no matter how much they arise, because he rules over them. This is a song we're singing. Now, if you have not known God a certain way, when you see waves, that fear alone is enough to kill you even before they drown you, because you don't know that it comes storms. It's just his way. The psalmist knew it. That must have been an experience one day of a man at sea. And he saw God coming a sea somehow. And he knew that this God not only rules it, but he has a way he comes them. It's just his way. And out of that revelation, he wrote. The disciples didn't know. If the psalmist was on that ship, he would have responded differently. Was understood what I just said. So powerful. Who told him that waves are stilled? By God. Who told him? He must have seen it. He must have seen it. So it wasn't new. It wasn't new. It was only new to these disciples. So nothing is happening to you is new. Anyway, look at how carnal people can be. Listen to the word. Don't you care that we are sinking or perishing? Don't you care that we are dying? Because when you understand God a certain way, and relate with him a certain way, 
the way of faith can be a very quiet life. God can find you in a storm and you seek him and you don't hear anything. And not because he doesn't want to answer you. No. But because he expects your faith now to perform. Those things you used to hear and scream in church, that is the time. Like an invigilator, a supervisor when you're under an examination. He's not allowed to give you answers. No. He's walking through making sure, okay, let me examine and see. How will this brother do it? So, Father, I have sought God, Apostle, and God is quiet. He's not quiet. <laughs> He's actively observing what you will do. And when he's quiet and observing the kind of thing, he doesn't care. Don't you care that we are perishing? Lord, don't you care that my father is dying of COVID? Don't you care that my sister is dying of COVID? Don't you care that my job is going? Don't you care that the church every day people are leaving and leaving? It's as if you don't care. You know, they start to speak like the world. You know how the world speaks. If God is good, then why do people die? Why do innocent people die? If he cares so much, then why do innocent people die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are right to think that way. Because they don't know God. But you know God. Sometimes God speaks loudest in his silences. And it takes wisdom to know that God is speaking in silence. He's telling me, now it's time to act. Let me observe you. That sleep in the boat meant that he's counting on them to know what to do. But he must have cared enough to teach them and empower them to do. What is not spoken here is that place that actually, by the time Jesus expects them to believe, and so he has enough time to put his body off totally. That means he trusts that they have enough to fix it, but they don't understand it. They don't understand it. They don't understand it. So some of you are in situations where you think God doesn't care. No, he cares. He cares, but he will not enable you that's not his way. His way is to help you. And by teaching the word, giving you the message, when he gives you the message, he knows you have enough to fight it now. Woman of God, man of God, you're in that war. Fight. But how will you fight when you don't have the word? This is the thing that I want you to understand that puts us in that sleep mode, even in the stone. If God said that with long life, I will satisfy you and I shall reveal my salvation or I shall show him my salvation. He has spoken it. The end of that portion of scripture is that whether diseases in the world, whether there are accidents on your way, whether there are wars and bullets will fly over your head, I have said that with long life, I will satisfy you. And you get a disease and you're 22 and the doctors tell you, you have a week to live. And then, unfortunately, you just start preparing yourself to die. No, God is saying, when I say that with long life, I shall satisfy you. I meant to say that whatever will come in the process of that satisfaction, I have already given you the answer. I have already provided for it. That is what he means. 
He finds a man who has not had children, Abraham and Sarah. And he tells him, leave your father. These are barren people. Leave your mother. Go to a place that I will show you. And there he says, I shall make your name great. I shall make you a great nation. He has told the barren womb that leave your father's family. Go to a place I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I shall bless you. I shall make your name great. Now, if you know you're barren, but he has said that I shall make you a great nation. What does that mean? If Abraham understood this, that was the point where Sarah would conceive. He would not need any other visitations that came after. So sometimes not all visitations that come after come because we have a certain relationship and piety before God. But sometimes some visitations come because we did not understand when God first spoke to us. Understand how to mature in the things of God so you receive the instructions of God right and act on them quicker. Because if you don't, Abraham hasn't gotten it. Now he's somewhere again. God has to come to him, look into the sky, first fires the numbers of the stars, the children shall have, he doesn't get it. And again, he has a child with Hagar. And again, God has to come back through some three men who are angels. Oh, at the appointed time, Sarah shall have a child. But he said, you shall become a great nation. How will you become a great nation without the opening of a womb? Common sense. That word has been spoken of a barren womb. That's what God is saying. Are you able and ready to believe? If he said that you shall not die, what is cancer? What is cancer? What is cancer? Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready to believe God? Can you take him at his own word? Can you tame your spirit and awaken and strengthen your conscience to a place where you can control and live above any of your carnal senses because the word of God has come to you. If you are at that level, you will sleep in the storm. Sleep in the storm if you have to. But if you are awake, rebuke it. Rebuke it. If you don't have the faith, to sleep, at least have the faith to rebuke it. But you cannot stay looking and awake and it's coming your way, you will die. No, fix it. There's a reason why you are awake. But if you have enough faith to sleep, sleep, God has you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. For the entrance of your word brings light and giveth understanding to the simple. And I believe that great seeds have been sown tonight to those that are listening. And our lives can never remain the same again. Indeed, you care for us. And how? When you send your word and we receive it. When you give us revelation, you send teachers to teach us. That's your expression of love to us. And we receive every word that has been spoken to us. And I decree that from today, we're changing. And our lives are changing. And we are walking on water. We're sleeping through the storm. And when we wake up, we can fix it if we have to. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout hallelujah. If you have never given your life to Christ, I want you to say these words. Father, I thank you because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at UMA Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest. Thank you.